0: And boy, I'm gonna talk to you about one of the most different subjects I've ever talked to uh, Calvary about maybe since I've been here. Mark chapter number eight. We preached out of Mark 8 just the other day. And as I was reading and studying and getting ready for that message, I came across I came across the story that we're gonna read tonight. And there was something that really stood out to me and I had never studied it out and And I thought as soon as I, in fact, I think it was uh, it may have even been Sunday morning I was just looking over the message for Sunday and getting ready and meditating and spending some time with the Lord and I came across this and I thought, Lord, as soon as I get some time, I am going to go back and study that out. I have got to know the answer to that. And so look, if you will, please, at Mark chapter 8 in your Bibles, and when you find your place tonight, if you're able to stand, why don't we stand one more time, uh, give you a chance to stretch your legs. We're not going uh, to be long tonight, I don't believe, and uh, we're going to be fairly brief, but I hope this will be a blessing to you. Now, Mark chapter 8, verse number 22, the Bible says, and he, talking about the Lord Jesus, and he cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him To touch him. And the Bible says, And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up. And he was restored and saw every man clearly. And he sent him away to his house saying, neither go into the town nor tell it to any in the town. And you may be seated tonight. And I want to talk to you about that subject that you see on the screen. Why did Jesus spit? (laughs) Did you ever think about that? And I know in our, I, I know that in our culture that it's almost a little repulsive, uh, the thought of spitting, but I'll promise you, I'll promise you one thing. Jesus did not do it as a, uh, as a repulsive act. I promise you that. I, I, but I, that caught my attention and inquiring minds want to know, amen. And I, I saw that and I don't know, I, you know, I don't know this is going to change your life. I just, I just know that I was reading my Bible and I thought, man. Why did the Lord do that? Why why would the Lord spit on somebody's eyes? And so when I saw that, I thought, man, I have got to study that out. And and the more I began to study it out, the more exciting it became. And uh, and, uh, actually, after after the Lord began to really show me some things here, I thought, man, this uh, this is going to be a super encouraging message. And so I want to talk to you about that tonight. Why did Jesus spit? Uh, uh, just a Bible lesson I want to give you tonight. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask the Lord to help us. And I'll give you a few thoughts tonight. I hope there'll be a blessing. Let's pray tonight. Father, we love you. And Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be back in God's house again tonight. And and Lord, I pray now that you will come and meet with us this evening. Father, we're so glad that we have Wednesday night. We call it midweek refueling time. And, and uh, Lord, certainly it is. And Lord, I pray now that you'll uh, bless the music that has been uh, Offered tonight, I pray it's encouraged us. I pray it's it's uh, helped us, uh, Lord. I pray that it has, uh, Lord. I, I pray that it has acted as that that spiritual lubricant, Lord. That that we might be able to receive something now from heaven above, Lord. I pray that you would clear the way now. I I, I plead the blood of Jesus over the service, and Lord, I pray that you would please, please keep the powers of darkness without out of this place and out of our lives and out of this church and this ministry. And Lord, I pray that your blessings would be here tonight. Lord, I, wanna, I, I really want to brag on you tonight. And I want to try to lift you up tonight. And Lord, you deserve to be lifted up. And so Lord, I pray that you would not allow Satan to take away from that. So Lord, please, Lord, I pray that you would, you would take care of that now. We pray for the power of the Holy Spirit and I pray that, Lord, you bless this time of Bible study tonight. Save that one that's nearest hell and encourage that one that may be discouraged. Help us, please, Father. We love you and praise you. And we ask these things in Jesus' precious name and for his sake and all God's people said, amen. In here so in Mark chapter eight, we read of a story where Jesus performs a miracle on a blind man. Now, I want to get into this subject, what we're talking about, why did Jesus spit? But before we get there, I've got a few introductory remarks that I want to make tonight, and I know that you just think that's sort of what preachers do. They have to make an introductory remark before they get into the the main part of the message, and to be quite honest with you, that's not the case at all. Uh, We could jump right into it tonight if we wanted to, but God showed me several things by way of introduction that I feel like are... Very, very important that I need to show the congregation tonight. Some definite things that I believe preceded this supernatural act of Jesus healing the blind man. Number one, I noticed that Jesus, first of all, Jesus required a change. He required a change. Before he was willing to perform this miracle, did y'all notice that? The Son of God required a change. Now look back, if you will, at Mark chapter 8 and verse number 22. The Bible says, that he cometh to Bethsaida, and they, and they, I'm, I'm, t- I'm guessing the people of the, of the city here, the town here, or maybe his family, and they bring a blind man unto him and besought him to touch him. Lord, please touch him. Please touch this man. Verse 23, and he, talking about the Lord, and he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town, And so before this supernatural event took place, we notice here that Jesus required a change. Now, honestly, I believe this. I believe had this blind man been resistant to the change, I believe this. I believe the miracle never would have happened. Amen. And so as Jesus took him by the hand and began to lead him out of Bethsaida, if he had pulled back, if he had resisted, I believe that the miracle never would have happened. It's evident that Jesus wanted him out of this town. This change was required before Christ would act. Now I said that to say this. You're here tonight, and if the Lord is working in your life and He's He is asking you to make some changes, can I just say this? Man, don't resist the change. Don't resist the change. And, uh, and, and especially in a church like ours, a lot of times you come in here and boy, God begins to work and the spirit of God begins to flow. And, and, and we preach a very powerful book and we promote a very powerful savior and, and, and people come in from all walks of life and, Uh, And that's part of Christian growth. Uh, God begins to work in your heart. The Spirit of God begins to work in your mind. And He begins to ask you to make some changes. He begins to ask you to to bring on some things and to take off some things and to get rid of some things. And and He begins to ask you to do some things that maybe you've never done in your life. And I just want to encourage you, whatever you do, don't be resistant to the change. Because it could be that God is getting ready to do a great miracle in your life. But here's the thing, if you resist the change, if you pull back and you say, well, I don't see why I have to do that. I I don't see why you're asking me to do that. I don't see why you're asking me to make that change. If you resist the change, the miracle may never come in your life. And so if the Holy Spirit of God is working, and uh, you know what? Just yield. Just yield yourself and say, Lord, I don't understand at all. And I don't know why you're wanting me to do this. And I don't know why you're wanting me to get rid of that thing. And I don't know why you're wanting me to get involved in this ministry. And I've never done that. I don't, honestly, Lord, I don't know if I can do that. Listen, you just do what God tells you to do. And, uh, and uh, God is able to do a great miracle in your life. And so I noticed that Jesus required a change. Number two, by way of introduction, I noticed, I noticed this, that there was a change of location. Did y'all see that? There was a change of location. Look back at verse number 22. And he cometh to, where did he come to? Bethsaida. He came to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man into him, and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand, and what did he do? He led him out of The town. There was a change of location. And those watching by way of internet tonight, can I just say this? Don't expect Jesus to work when you are in a place of cursing. Don't expect for Jesus to come on your time, your schedule. Lord, I'll let you help me if you'll come on my conditions. (laughs) The Lord doesn't work that way. And so don't expect Jesus to work when you're in a place of cursing. Now, the reason I said that is because if you go back and study scripture, you'll find out that there's something really significant about Bethsaida. Jesus had, had, had formerly or previously pronounced a curse upon this town, Bethsaida. Now it was my wife and I. Praise the Lord! It was our our privilege, and thank the Lord for the uh, for the uh, blessings of the church. But it was my wife and I. It was our privilege to uh, to be taken uh, to Bethsaida while we were in Israel. Uh, we were on our way up to the Golan Heights. There, way up the mountain there uh, in uh, northern Israel, and and we were with a missionary that day—a mission, a missionary in Israel—and. Man, those roads are curvy. They're about like West Virginia. And we're going up that mountain. And the missionary said, right over here is Bethsaida. This is Bethsaida. And he reminded us, I believe, that Jesus pronounced a curse on Bethsaida. Now, that's been thousands of years ago. And, of course, you understand that there are little towns all around Bethsaida that are prospering, and uh, uh, people live there, and there are apartment complexes and homes and all those kind of things right there close to the Sea of Galilee. But when you come by Bethsaida, you know what Bethsaida is? It's a little ghost town. All it really is is a a hobble of stones, and you can tell where there used to be dwellings, where there used to be homes Uh, But there's nothing there. Nobody lives there. Uh, There's nothing going on. There's no life there. Uh, And part of the reason is because when Jesus curses something, it's cursed. And Jesus cursed the town of Bethsaida. And so we find here that what Jesus was doing is this. Jesus was leading this man out of a place of unbelief. By the way, that's why he cursed Bethsaida because they doubted what he could do. They didn't believe what he could do. And because of that, Jesus cursed Bethsaida. Jesus led this man out of a place of unbelief. I don't know about you, but I'm glad for the day when the Lord Jesus Christ took me by the hand and he led me out of a place of unbelief, amen. I remember that time. I remember when I lived in Bethsaida. I'm talking about unbelief. I remember when I was lost. I remember when I was on my way to hell. And by the way, there was nothing I could do about it. But thank God, happy day, happy day when the Savior came my way and he took me by the hand and he led me out of that place of unbelief. And when he did that, he began to do miracles in my life. And by the way, he wants to do the same thing for you. And if you're here tonight and you've never been saved or if you're watching by way of live stream and you've never been saved, hey, I've got some great news. Jesus wants to lead you out of that place of unbelief. And he wants to do great things in your life starting with salvation. He wants to give you salvation and he wants to use you in a great, great way. And so we notice here that Jesus required a change. We notice notice there was a change of location. But this is the question. Why did he spit? Why? Okay. Let me ask you this. Did he have to spit? Didn't have to spit. Okay, let me ask you this. Could Jesus have just spoken the word and it would have happened? Absolutely. That's usually how it happened. A lot of times Jesus would just speak the word and healing came or a miracle came. Uh, Sometimes Jesus would touch, sometimes he wouldn't touch. Sometimes they would just touch him. Sometimes they wouldn't even touch him, they just touched the hem of his garment. And, uh, And that's all it took. But for some reason in this situation, and by the way, not just in this situation, As I began to study this out, I noticed that this was not the only time that Christ implemented this, this, whatever you want to call it, this method, this unusual method. Not only do we find it in Mark chapter 8, but I want you to turn back a page and look at Mark chapter number 7. Mark chapter 7 and look at verse number 33. The Bible says, and verse 33, and he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers in his ears and he spit and touched his tongue. And of course, we know that this man was perfectly healed. Turn over, if you will, to the book of John. John chapter nine, in your Bibles this evening, John chapter nine. And look at verse number 6, John chapter 9 and verse number 6. The Bible says in verse number 6, And when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And said unto him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sin. He went his way therefore and washed and came sing. And so I read those uh, stories and I thought, Lord, why did you spit? What's that got to do with anything? Why would the Lord Jesus Christ take the time to, and I'm not going to even illustrate it tonight, all right? But why would the Lord take the time? Uh, there, there, you know what? How many know that the Lord never does anything by accident? I mean, there's got to be, as we're reading our Bible, we know there's got to be a reason. It's not like Jesus did anything on a whim. You know, we know that that Jesus did this on purpose. And so why did Jesus spit? Well, let let me try to answer that for you tonight if I could. Hey, just give you three thoughts tonight. How about this? Number one, we noticed that spitting was a picture of compassion. Now, maybe not in our day and time, but back in that day and time it was. When the Lord Jesus Christ spit, it was actually a picture of compassion. You see, in the culture in which we're reading this right now, in the culture that was then, it was believed that saliva had healing power in it. That human saliva could be used medicinally. Now, I read that and I thought, well, that sounds a little weird. But actually, when I began to study that out, Guess what? It's true. It's true. That's not just something that, that they adapted or adopted back in that day and time, but experts tell us that, that, there, is, that there, there is medicinal purposes to saliva. Experts tell us that saliva contains cell-derived tissue factor and many compounds that are antibacterial or promote healing. Salivary tissue factor associated with microvesicles shed from cells in the mouth promotes wound healing through the intrinsic blood coagulation cascade. Aren't you glad you came to the house of the Lord to get that tonight? Let me give you something you can't understand. Saliva contains tissue factor which promotes the blood clotting mechanism. It is a known fact that wounds in the mouth heal faster than wounds on the body. And I don't mean to gross you out tonight. But did your, you know, I grew up in a different day. Did your parents ever tell you when you cut yourself or scraped yourself, just suck on it, it'd be all right? You say, preacher, that's the grossest thing I've ever heard. Well, maybe so. But you know what? Our parents knew what they were doing. Our parents knew that that there was something about that saliva that would cause it to, to stop bleeding. And how about this? Even nature knows that. Did you know that natural instincts lead animals to lick their wounds? In fact, the Bible says in Luke chapter 16, verse number 21, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. This rich man had no comfort of any kind other than the dogs came and they licked the wounds of this poor uh, poor beggar and, and it, it, it at least uh, it gave him some kind of comfort and that saliva helped in, in healing those wounds. Now again, uh, spitting was a picture of compassion. So these people, these people, when they, uh, when they were in front of the Lord and they heard Jesus spit, you know what it said to them? Now they lived in that time, but you know what it said to them? It said, he's getting ready to show me compassion. He's, he He spit. You know what that that told them? He's getting ready to focus his attention on me. He's getting ready to take action on my part. And by the way, Calvary, aren't you glad that you serve a Savior tonight that at times is willing to focus his full attention on you and to show you attention? I thought, about that. I thought about that scripture today, Psalm chapter eight, verse number four. The Bible says, what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him? Have you ever wondered about this? Have you ever thought what? I wonder why God would even be concerned about little old me. I mean, I'm not perfect. Sometimes I mess up. Sometimes I sin. Sometimes I disappoint him. Sometimes I break my promises. And yet sometimes the Lord, he, he focuses his attention on me and he shows me compassion. And man, what a great savior we have tonight. Jeremiah 33.3 3 says it like this. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. The psalmist said it like this in Psalm 103 and verse number 13. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him for he knoweth our frame he remembereth that we are dust. this is all I'm saying that aren't you glad you have a savior tonight and when you have a wound and when you have a problem aren't you glad at times he's willing to spit he's willing to focus on you did you know that most religions of the world teach that those people cannot know their God They can serve, and they should serve their God, but they can never know him on a personal basis. Well, I'm glad that's not what Christianity teaches. I'm glad that when I've got a wound, I'm glad that when I go into the prayer closet and I say, Lord, I'm wounded. Lord, I'm bleeding. Lord, I'm not feeling good. Lord, I'm discouraged. Lord, I don't know if I'm gonna make it. And I wonder, I wonder if he's listening all of a sudden. I hear him spit. You know what that tells me? He's focusing on me. He's thinking about me. He's concerned about me. By the way, can I just can I just remind you of this? He is concerned about you tonight. He is concerned about your problems. He's concerned about your burdens. He's concerned about your valleys. He's concerned about the storm that you're going through. Well, you say, Pastor, I'm sure he's concerned about you, but I don't know about me. I want to tell you what he's not just concerned about preachers. He's concerned about you. He's concerned about mamas and daddies. He's concerned about teenagers. He's concerned about he's concerned about husbands and wives, and he knows what you're going through. And, and we used to sing that song that says your tears are touching God when you cry. I've got good news. Calvary Baptist Church, he's not a God that cannot be known. He is a high priest that is touched with a feeling of your infirmities. He knows what you're going through and hallelujah, he's willing to focus his attention on you tonight. Amen. Spitting was a picture of compassion. When they heard the Lord Jesus Christ spit, They thought, okay, business about to pick up. This man's getting ready to minister to me. But number two, I noticed this. I noticed that spitting was a picture of creation. It's a picture of creation. Now, don't miss this point because it's so good. Are you still in John 9? If you're not, turn back over there. John chapter 9 and look at verse number 6, if you will. The Bible says in verse 6, when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and, and made clay of the spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way therefore and washed and came seeing. I notice here that Jesus spat. He mixes his spittle with the dust, producing mud. And then the Bible says he applies the mud to the eyes of the blind man. By the way, you say, what in the world, pastor, is all that about? Well, I'll tell you this. It's a picture. It is a picture that he was the creator. He was the creator. I believe that if you go back, I believe if you go way back to Genesis chapter two, you'll find, a, you'll find another story that's very similar to this story where the Bible says that Jesus took of the dust of the earth and Jesus began to create the first man. I, I, I believe that Jesus is painting a picture here. Jesus is saying this, I made the first pair of human eyes out of the dust of the earth and I can heal this pair of eyes with the dust of the earth. And I believe that Jesus is even saying this. If I desire, I can create a new pair of eyes out of the dust of the earth and I can give you a brand new pair of eyes. Creation, creation. We well, see, preacher, Jesus didn't come until Bethlehem. Oh, listen, church. Jesus was around long before Bethlehem. Amen. In fact, there's never been a time when Jesus wasn't. In fact, our Bible teaches us here that, that the Lord Jesus Christ was very present at creation. In fact, the Bible tells us that he took an active role Amen. in creation. You don't have to turn now, I'll read it for you. Genesis chapter one, verse number 26 says it like this. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over fish and sea over the fowl there.'" air. A man asked me one time, he said, preacher, he said, "Uh, what does that mean? I was reading the other day, he said, I was reading in Genesis and it said, let us make man. Uh, In our image, he said, "What, what does that mean? Who was there? And I said, I'll tell you who was there. Jesus was there. And the Holy Ghost was there. The Trinity was in full force on the day of creation. And Jesus had very much a part of creation. In fact, John 1, 1 tells us this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Jesus had a part in creation, and I've got some great news tonight. Did you know that Jesus is still in the business of forming new creations? He has not lost his touch. He's as good today as he was then. He he was a great creator then. He's still a great creator now. And thank God the Lord Jesus Christ is able to make a new creation. He's still changing and transforming lives. I wrote this down in my outline. He's still able to take the mud and the mess and create something brand new. And just as sure as I'm here tonight, or somebody's watching tonight, and they say, Preacher, but you don't understand. I've got way too much mud, and I've got way too much mess for Jesus to do anything with it. And I want to come back and say this hey, he is an expert when it comes to mud. You say, Pastor, my life is a muddy mess. It's a mess. Can I show you how good he is? Would you take your Bibles with me tonight and turn over to the book of Jeremiah? Chapter number 18. Jeremiah chapter number 18 and look at verse verse number one and God came to the prophet Jeremiah and he said, Jeremiah, I've got a request. I want you to go down to the potter's house. Jeremiah chapter 18, in verse number 1, the Bible says, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there will I cause thee to hear my words. And Jeremiah said in verse number 3, Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. You know what that work was, church? It was mud. It's clay. Well, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? I think we just read about that in John chapter 9. Here's this clay on the wheel. The Bible says, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. Look at verse 4. This will help you. Verse 4, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred. It was a mess. It was deformed. It didn't look right. It was broken. It was warped. That's what he's saying. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the pot. Oh, yes, good neighbor. So he made it again another vessel. As seemed good to the potter to make it. Here was some mud that was a mess. Here was some clay that was marred. It was deformed. It had no. It had no form. It. It wasn't usable. You couldn't drink anything out of it. You couldn't eat off of it. It was marred. But the Bible says that that potter took that mud. He took that clay, and little by little by little by little, he spun it on that wheel. And he put his. He put his hands down in that in that that mud. Oh yeah! Aren't you glad that Jesus is willing to get dirty for you? And he worked that mud around until finally he made a brand new vessel out of it. And there's somebody here tonight and you say, preacher, my life's a mess. My life is marred. My life is deformed. Well, I got great news. Jesus is an expert when it comes to mud. Amen. And he can put you back on the wheel. And he can make you a new creation. He can make you a new vessel. He can make you usable again. And the devil comes the devil says, well, you're done for. Stick a fork in you, you're done. By the way, even we do that sometimes. We do that. We're like, well, he's, he's done for. His life's over. He can never be used again. And the potter says, really? Really? Lord, that's a lot. That's, that's, all it is is just a mound of mud. And God says, yeah, you're right. So were you. So were you. When you came to me, you were broken. When you, and by the way, may, may we never forget that at Calvary Baptist Church. When you came to me, you were marred. When you came to me, you were on your way to hell. When you came to me, you were just a sinner. By the way, still a sinner, just saved by grace. And God said, "I put you on the wheel." And, and, and God said, "You know what? I was a good creator back then. I was a great creator back then. I'm still a great creator right now. I like what Second Corinthians chapter five verse number 17 says, "Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I want to ask you a question: Do you need Jesus to do some new creating in your life? He's able. Amen. He's able." So why did Jesus spit? Well when the Lord Jesus Christ spit it was, a, it was a picture of compassion. When the Lord Jesus Christ spit it was a picture of creation. Oh man. Everybody everybody all right? Everybody hold on. We notice here it was not only spitting was not only a picture of compassion and spitting was a picture of creation. I had never thought about this. Spitting was a picture of Calvary. Now I want you to turn back with me if you would to Mark chapter eight and we're done. Mark chapter eight. Mark chapter eight, verse number 23. And notice what our Bible tells us here. Mark chapter eight, verse number 23. The Bible says, and he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit, on his eyes. And I know, I know. See, the devil don't want me to even preach that tonight. That seems so repulsive does? And not only, in this situation, he not only spit on, the, on the, the dirt and made clay, but he spit on the man. Y'all with me? The Bible tells us he spit on his eyes. He spit on this man. And he took the blind man by the hand and led let him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes, and put his hands upon him. He asked if he saw all. Man, I never noticed this. Did you know that this would not be the last time that fluid from within the Lord Jesus Christ would become symbolic for the healing of those afflicted by the curse? Did you know when the Lord Jesus Christ, yes, you get this on the slow train tomorrow and you'll shout. You'll say, oh yeah, I get it now. When Jesus went, it was a picture. This act was pointing directly to a hill called Golgotha, where Jesus acting as the lamb of God would shed another bodily fluid. But this time it would not be just spit. This time it would be specifically his blood. And all those who accept him as their savior, he graciously once again applies that precious bodily fluid to wash their sins away. The songwriter said, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. The songwriter said, would you be free from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood. Blood. Would you were evil of victory win? there's wonderful power in the blood? Thank God for that bodily fluid that flowed down the cross of Calvary that pays the penalty for my sin and your sin. Amen. Good. I read this story the other day and I thought, this is what I was thinking. As I read this story, I thought, man, wouldn't this be neat? Wouldn't it be, not, not that we'd want to be blind, we wouldn't want to be blind, but I thought, wouldn't it be neat to be the blind man? Put yourself in his shoes just for a minute. Wouldn't it be neat if you were the blind man and Jesus Jesus comes over and he takes you by the hand and he leads you out of the city, out of the town? I mean, think about that. Jesus takes you by the hand. Jesus. He takes you, he leads you out of the town. He gets you away from this place of unbelief and he spits on you, he applies his bodily fluid to your life, lays his hands on you and heals you. Wouldn't that be awesome? You know what I got to thinking? It's already happened. It's already happened. The same miracle that we read about in Mark chapter 8, it's me. It's me. This same miracle that we read about happened in my life about 40 years ago. Hallelujah. He came where I was. Amen. When I could not come to where he was, thank God he came to me and the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God came and he took me by the hand and he led me out of a place of unbelief and thank God that day Jesus applied some bodily fluid to my life. His blood, the blood saved my soul and he cleansed me forevermore because of that, I'm on my way to heaven. Hey, I want to tell you what, we ought to have a time out for a little while and just shout the house down. I'm telling you what, it's good to be saved. It's good to know the Lord. I'm glad, hey, there was a time when I was blind, but hallelujah now, I can see. Ephesians 1, 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins. Colossians 1 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Hebrews 10 19, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 19. But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And 1 John chapter 1, verse number 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Revelation 5, 9, you ever wonder what they're gonna shout about in heaven? Revelation 5, 9, and they sung a new song. saying, thou art worthy to take the book and open the seals thereof for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Matthew 27, 4 refers to it as the innocent blood. 1 First, uh, First Peter chapter one, verse number nine refers to it as the cleansing blood. 1 John chapter one, verse number seven calls it the washing blood. Acts chapter 20, verse number 28 calls it the redeeming blood. <laughs> Romans chapter five, verse number nine says it's the justifying blood. Colossians chapter one, verse number 30 says it's the peacemaking blood. Hebrews 13, verse number 12 calls it the sanctifying blood. Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 20 says it's the blood of the everlasting covenant. And I'm going to tell you what, hallelujah, when we get to preach about the blood, whenever you start talking about the blood and singing about the blood, get ready, Calvary business is about to pick up. Amen. Oh, precious is the flow that made me white stone. John Wesley was on his way home from a service. And on his way home, he was robbed. The man forcibly threatened him, took his money from him, his valuables, of which he had very little, by the way. In fact, the robber was somewhat aggravated because it wasn't a very, it wasn't a very good, uh, whatever you want to call it, it wasn't a very good heist. But he grabbed John Wesley's belongings and he began to run away and John Wesley yelled and said, stop! And oddly enough, the robber stopped and John Wesley said, there's something else I need to give you. He said, there may come a day when you'll regret living this lifestyle. And he said, I just want to tell you the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Yeah, the robber ran, ran away. Years passed. John Wesley was in a service and a man came out the back of the old church there when John Wesley was shaking hands and he said to Mr. Wesley, Mr. Wesley, I'm that man. He said, many years ago, he said, I robbed you. And he said, uh, I'm, a, I'm a successful businessman now. And he said, I want you to forgive me. I apologize. And then he said this to John Wesley. He said, I owe it all to you. And John Wesley said, hold on just a minute. You don't owe it all to me. You owe it all to the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. The blood of Jesus Christ. John Newton Became one of the most depraved men to ever live. He served for a number of years as a slave ship captain. And during that time, he slipped further and further into the bonds of sin. One writer about John Newton said this, that he was espousing free-thinking principles. He remained arrogant and insubordinate, and he lived with moral abandon. And John Newton said, and I quote, John Newton said, I sinned with a high hand and I made it my study to tempt and seduce others. John Newton knew what it was to go to the bottom. He was a slave ship captain, but ended up becoming a slave himself. And for John Newton, life began to unravel until he found Jesus and the Lord Jesus Christ applied that bodily fluid that blood to John Newton's life and John Newton wrote those immortal words amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me I once was lost but now I'm found was blind but now I see. You say, preacher, what would do that? The blood of Jesus. Yes, sir. And by the way, only the blood of Jesus that will do that. I want to ask you a question. Has the blood been applied to your life? That bodily fluid, Jesus' precious bodily fluid, has it been applied to your life tonight? I want to ask you a question tonight. Is Christ? directing you to make a change? Is he trying to lead you out of a place of unbelief? And if he is, let let go and let God have his way tonight. Let's all bow our heads. Father, thank you for this time we've had together tonight. And Lord, thank you for the opportunity just to be able to come up here before these people and preach on the precious blood of Jesus. Lord, I'm so glad for that amazing grace. Lord, how sweet the sound that did save a wretch like me. And Lord, it's not been too long ago. I can still remember I once was lost. But thank God now I'm found. And Lord, like that man in Mark chapter 8, I was blind. But hallelujah, now I see. Father, thank you for spitting. Lord, thank you for spitting. And Lord, thank you for this wonderful picture that paints us a great truth of your love and your devotion, your faithfulness, your kindness, your grace, your mercy. Lord, I pray you'd have your way in this invitation. It could be there's someone watching tonight that tuned into the live stream that we're not even aware of. And that precious bodily fluid has never been applied to their account. Lord, right right now, I pray that you'd help them to realize that they're a sinner that needs a Savior. The Bible says for all, A-double-L, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Because of our sin, there's a penalty. Romans 6:23 for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Lord there's a penalty and that penalty is death and eventually hell. But I am so glad Lord in Romans 5:8 you told us but God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us and Lord I'm so glad you loved us enough to send your only Son to come and pay the penalty on the cross of Calvary. Father, if there's someone watching right now, would you help them to understand that Jesus not only died, but he rose again. He's a living, resurrected Savior. And Lord, this very night, he wants to come into their life and make a new creation, a brand new creature out of their life. So, Lord, this is what I'm asking right now. Would you help that dear person right now to open their heart to the Lord and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I want you to forgive me. And, oh, Jesus, would you come into my heart life tonight? Would you save my soul and take me to heaven when I die? This night I'm giving my life to you. I trust you as my Savior. Father, I pray you'd work in their hearts. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed.